This week on Ultra 64, the wonderful thing about Tiggers is to be determined when we play Tiggers Honey Hunt right now. Welcome to Ultra 64. We are the Internet's comprehensive Nintendo 64 podcast. Each and every week we are playing a different randomly selected game from the Nintendo 64 catalog. And we are just bouncing all over that sumbitch. Today we play Tigger's Honey Hunt. And my name is Steve Gunley. Hello, I am stick world champion Woody Siskowski. <laughs> and who else is joining us today? Uh, former poo stick world champion Michaela Nicholson. <laughs> oh, you lost your title. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, but you know, he wanted it more. It was like that, uh, it was a montage, um, but instead of uh, slapping the meat in the back of the meat locker and running up the stairs, I was just dropping that poo stick in the water day in, day out. <laughs> There was really no point during the production of this game when someone thought the name Poo Stick might not be the best name for a minigame. Well, I think that's uh, canon, right? Like, I don't think this game invented it. Like, did it, it is it? I, I don't I, know. I, know. Oh, but I, I don't know. I, I, I thought that Poo Stick was part of the Poo lore. I've never heard the term Poo Stick. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, they but don't, I they don't really it, explain. I, I'm really assuming it is because they don't explain the rules of the game. So I yeah, sort of wasn't, think that, like, oh, they must just know you know how to play. It Everyone wasn't necessarily obvious, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't entirely sure, but, I mean, we'll get to that in a minute. I mean, I think, uh, I don't know about you guys, I'm not really an expert on Winnie the Pooh lore, uh, and my apologies, because I said last time, the last time we did a Disney game, I said that that was going to be our last Disney game. I forgot about uh, Pooh and Friends, so uh, apologies to the residents of Pooh Corner, but I think... Th- by default, it's kind of easy to overlook Winnie the Pooh because its very nature is to be very gentle and unassuming and and quiet. So you do tend to overlook it. But Winnie the Pooh has been enduring for nearly 100 years now. It's one of our longest animated traditions. It's one of our longest story traditions. And it really means a lot to a lot of people. It was never really my go-to when I was a little kid, but I'm definitely happy it exists like, it's, it's something that's very sweet and pure, and I think it's just, there's something very nice about it. I don't know, did you guys have more experience with Pooh than I do? Uh, I think I did. Um, I The mini adventures of Winnie the Pooh was a mainstay in the VHS cabinet. Um, uh, also, I, I remember watching the Tigger movie a lot growing up, so that's why I was sort of excited to do this. But um, I don't know why I liked it. There isn't much to it. Um, and then uh, I remember the mini, or the the grand adventure the one where christopher robin goes to school and all of the 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 poo characters go searching for him i remember getting nightmares from that movie because it's kind of sad because they lose christopher robin and then there are like multiple winnie the pooh tv shows um that i remember from growing up there's one where they're like in this weird 3d animation um there's a classic animated one um, yeah, so I have passing memories of those. But I think Winnie the Pooh was a pretty safe choice in the Nicholson house. Okay, all right, fair. Um, Winnie the Pooh kind of exists in the same realm as something like Babar or Madeline. 
um, yeah, where I would yeah. see it on TV, and I'm like, is this a really obscure thing, or is this just something that I've never heard of? Or just uh, more popular in Europe or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and it's just very sort of yeah, clean and wholesome, and I feel like any of that stuff you could happily get by on. Yeah, I mean, Winnie the Pooh exists almost entirely without controversy, which is a pretty amazing thing to happen over 100 years. I mean, there is yeah, one recent no, thing like, we'll talk race, about. racist subtext of like, oh, the residents of the Hundred Acre Woods were really a euphemism for an allegory yeah. for this this sort of civil rights act. Yeah, we, we uh, didn't find out that A.A. A. Milne was like a staunch supporter of like child labor or something. Like, I don't know, nothing, nothing weird has come out that I'm aware of about anything in this universe, which is nice and kind of refreshing. Uh, let's look a little bit about the history of Winnie the Pooh, because you know I love this shit. Winnie the Pooh was uh, created by British author Alan Alexander Milne, or A.A. A. Milne, in 1924. So the character's first appearance was in a poetry book from 1924 called When We Were Very Young. Although in that book, he was referred to as Edward Bear, and he would be renamed Winnie the Pooh, all hyphenated, in 1926. Uh, there so the was kid- a... Um... It, when you grew up watching Canadian TV, they would put these like little two minutes, maybe one minute segments between shows about something having to do with Canadian history. Yeah, CanCon. And, <laughs> and I remember that one of them was about the naming of Winnie the Pooh. So it was um, this character with his nephew. I think it was his nephew. Or A.A. Milne was hanging out with his nephew, Christopher Robin. And they were, I think he, he was in the military or something. Um, and they were at the zoo and the kid comes up with the name Winnie the Pooh for the name of the bear. Right. You're you're yeah, you're pretty close on that. It it's uh the bear it was yeah, it was based on a real bear that was donated to the zoo in England by a Canadian soldier who uh, named it I after see. he named it after his hometown of Winnipeg. So Winnie Winnipeg. And then Milne and his son Christopher Robin came and saw it at the zoo. And then uh, Christopher Robin went home and named his stuffed toy after it. And Pooh comes from it's P O O H and it comes from uh, a swan that they saw at a nearby park and his son was just very young and named it Pooh. And that's stuck. Well, that's so that's the sound that a swan makes. Oh, poo, poo. <laughs> so yeah, uh, uh, I very yeah. So uh, all the stories were set in Ashdown Woods near Sussex in England. Uh, although they were renamed the Hundred Acre Wood in later stories, and Pooh himself is a very childlike, very simple. He's very inquisitive and prone to getting in trouble, but like good-natured kind of trouble. Uh, he is the special friend of a young boy named Christopher Robin, who comes out to play with Pooh and his animal friends, and that includes Eeyore, Piglet, Kangaroo, Owl, Rabbit, Gopher, and, of course, Tigger, who we'll be talking about shortly. So I was um, a little confused as we were watching the Tigger movie, because, and I know this is true of the first Disney Pooh movie as well, is it starts with kind of a storybook, and it talks about, and it's in live action, and it shows all these stuffed animals that are in the room, and then it goes to this book, and so all this, all these events of all these movies are basically taking place in Christopher Robin's head, right? It's like the end of Shutter Island. Kind of sort of, yeah, it's exactly like the end of Shutter Island. Yeah, kind of sort of, it's like they... Spoiler never... alert that every all Shutter Island takes place inside Christopher Robin's head. <laughs> it's true, yeah. If you haven't seen that movie, it, it, it takes some weird turns. Uh, <laughs> it goes right into the Winnie the Pooh universe, or the Pooniverse, as I've decided to call it. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's never been, like, an, uh, a question that these are stuffed animals. Like, these are, these are just kind of the made-up adventures of Christopher Robin's stuffed toys. And... 
I am not clear if he actually went. I think he actually did go out and build little huts and homes for them. And that's why everything's like poorly spelled and everything like that. And he leaves them out in the woods. Uh, but yeah, they're always supposed to just be toys. Um, so really kind of what we think about as modern licensing practices actually started with Winnie the Pooh because a Canadian entrepreneur named Stephen Schlesinger offered to buy the rights to the character in 1930 for $1,000, which would be about $15,000 today. Still not a lot to pay for Winnie the Pooh. Uh, so within a year, Pooh was a $50 million a year business because he decided, he started selling books and toys and games. In addition to some very hugely popular audio recordings of the poems, there was a traveling stage show. There was a long-running BBC radio show. And then in 1966, after Schlesinger died, Disney bought the rights to the character and kind of formalized sort of our generation's idea of the character and his friends through a series of very popular animated shorts. Uh, the first one of these was called Winnie the Pooh and the Honey Tree, which aired in 1966. Uh, it was a short before a uh, Dean. What was it? Oh, fuck, I forget which name. I forget which Dean. I think Dean Jones. He starred in a movie called The Ugly Dachshund, and this move this aired right before that movie. Uh, so the short introduced a couple of important things, like Sterling Holloway as the voice of Pooh. Uh, and uh, I also learned that Clint Howard played Rue in the very first uh, skit of that. So that's that's kind of great. I always forget Clint Howard was a child actor. He's like, he, <laughs> even as a child, he wasn't cute, but he was yeah, a but, very, yeah. Yeah, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, yeah, and so uh, all these various shorts were eventually compiled and released as a standalone feature film in 1977, which was called The Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. Uh, then in so 19... is that, that oh, movie yeah, is just a collection of shorts? It wasn't? It is. Event? Okay. Got it. Yeah, they, I think they have... I haven't seen it. I think, uh, Michaela, oh, you can tell you me. You should they, see it. It's very it's, sweet. Okay. Do they it's string much, it together much with... much better than the Tigger movie. Do they string it together with any kind of, like, uh, yeah, framing narrative so, or... Yeah, uh, so, basically, I mean, it's loose, but, like, it's actually really cute. It's It all takes place in a book, so every time the narrator pops out, he's like, okay, it's time to go to the next story, and Pooh's like, wait... Am I in the next story? And he like lifts back the page, and he was like, "I want to be in my story." It's it's really cute, and there's effects where like, I think during a blustery day, like the words from the story, you know, fly into the frame, and like in the first um, vignette where Pooh gets stuck, um, like his back half is on page sixty one, and his front half is on page sixty two. Okay, um, so it's That's it's cute. very sweet. It's worth. I don't know, a lazy Sunday watch. I'd it's, say. Got, okay. it's got that Disney magic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Oh, I was asking. Yeah. Okay, you can can confirm. I can confirm can the confirm. magic. Magic presence approved, yep. scanned, and uh, certified. Mm-hmm. Midi-chlorians appear in the movie. Um, so <laughs> it, in the 1980s, uh, Winnie the Pooh got a big revival with two television shows. Uh, firstly was Welcome to Pooh Corner, which was kind of... Uh, puppets, uh, puppet interstitials of Winnie the Pooh, and then I think they had some animated shorts in between. And then there was the new adventures of Winnie the Pooh, which is probably the one most people are familiar with, or at least if you're our age. Um, That ran from 1988 to 1991, and its important contribution was it introduced Jim Cummings as the voice of both Pooh and Tigger, and he has been playing that character ever since. In fact, Cummings was actually in the news recently because he's been using his time in quarantine to call up children's hospitals and talk to the kids in character as Pooh and Tigger. Because, aw. Because, aw, he's just a good (laughs) sweetheart. I don't know. I just love that. Who's who's the guy who directed Thunder Road? Uh, not, not the same guy, but I think a guy with the same name. Okay, no connection. Oh, no, sorry. 
Uh, and this is the closest thing I could find to a bit of controversy about winning the Winnie the Pooh, and that is in 2017, the People's Republic of China issued a ban on all images of Winnie the Pooh after a meme emerged comparing Pooh with President Xi Jinping. So she banned the character's image in movies and other media, and he blocked Disney from releasing its live-action film Christopher Robin in the country. Uh, and since then, he's been appearing on a lot of, like, protest signs. He's become this weird little symbol of protest against the People's Republic of China. I mean, that which was is, a horrendously dumb choice. Don't don't block memes that, that mock you, because it no. only makes people meme them more. That's the funny thing, too. It's like, he really doesn't look much like Winnie the Pooh. Like, there's no actual physical resemblance between the two of them, but because he got so insecure about it, now it's a thing. Also, like, Winnie the Pooh is, like, very cute and a delightful, like, character. That's it, a great thing to be compared to. Of all the characters to. that you could be compared to, Winnie the Pooh is probably one of the best. Yeah, especially in <laughs> this universe, I think, right? I yeah. mean, nobody wants to be Christopher Robin or <laughs> Gopher. All right, let's talk a little bit about Tigger, because he is the star of the show this time. So Tigger was introduced in 1928's short story, The House at Pooh Corner, and he is technically a tiger, but he considers himself a species unto himself, because he has lots of traits that tigers do not have. Uh, Tigger is defined by his mischievous nature and his obsession with bouncing. Uh, he made his Disney animated debut in 1968 with Winnie the Pooh and the Blustery Day, he was voiced by Sam Edwards early on, but the voice was really defined by Paul Winchell, so that's kind of who Jim Cummings is Im imitating now. Uh, Paul Winchell voiced the character intermittently between 1968 and 1999. He was actually supposed to be the voice in uh, the Tigger movie, but by this point he was very, very old. His voice sounded a little too desiccated, and he couldn't quite keep up with the rapid pace of the dialogue, so they did have to replace him. But you can still hear his voice in some of the songs. Hmm. Um, it's kind of like a Fred. I would say it's kind of like Fred Flintstone style voice, right? Just like a little faster, like a spread up, sped up. Kind of like it's it's like a little gravelly and it's a little lispy. Uh, and it yeah, it's it's kind of hard to describe. But yeah, like he's got it, like a the wonderful thing about Tiggers. Oh, it's got a lisp. Is is yeah. Tiggers the only one? He's <laughs> almost got like a almost got like a New York accent in a way, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, like New Jersey little, almost. Yeah, he's got a little hint of an accent. Um, but yeah, like Pooh, he has been voiced by Jim Cummings since 1988. Uh, and only other thing I want to mention about him, just because it's fresh on my mind, having just rewatched it, Tigger appears in the 1990 TV special cult cartoon All Stars to the Rescue, which if people uh, were not alive in 1990 to watch this. This was a 30-minute special that brought together all of your favorite Saturday morning cartoons like the uh, Slimer and Garfield and the Smurfs and the Ninja Turtles and uh, Mickey and or, or, no, Mickey was in it, but Bugs Bunny was in it. Like all these different characters who are coming together to save a little boy from doing drugs. That sounds tremendously good. It's fantastic. It's all on YouTube. You should watch it. But this was such an event back in 1990. I very specifically remember it was on every single channel. I can't oh, think of wow. anything else. that they, they just kind of stopped their production on every channel for half an hour so you can watch this really very bad cartoon <laughs> trying to get where all your favorite cartoon characters berate a child for uh, using drugs. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a very strange little time capsule. If you want to see what the early 90s uh, war on drugs was like, check out Cartoon All-Stars to the Rescue. Introduced by George Bush and Barbara Bush, then the sitting presidents. Huh. Yeah, so worth Delightful. watching. <laughs> I, right, I, I've recently fallen down a rabbit hole of 
McGruff the Crime Dog albums. Oh. Um, and yeah, the album McGruff sings also all on YouTube. Well worth checking out. It's got some real jams in there. Oh my um, god. So th- this definitely sounds of the same ilk. Yeah, this sounds like it's right in your wheelhouse. I would recommend watching Cartoon All-Stars to the Rescue. All right, let's talk about the Tigger movie. So this game kind of corresponds with the release of the Tigger movie, which is actually the first Pooh feature film since 1977. Uh, But it's weird that this game isn't actually an official tie-in. They share, like, a lot of the same plot, as much as you can say there's a plot, but, like, they're they're not officially connected, but they were released around the same time. Um, this was released February 11th, 2000. It starred the voices of Jim Cummings, Peter Cullen, playing Eeyore, who is the voice of Optimus Prime, is also Eeyore. I just kind of love that. Uh, Kath Susie, and it's narrated by John Hurt, R.I.P. I loved John Hurt. Uh, the movie was kind of a big deal for musical nerds because it featured original songs by the Sherman Brothers. If you don't know the Sherman Brothers, they are the guys who wrote all the music for Mary Poppins, for The Jungle Book, for a whole bunch of classic Disney things. And they also wrote what is considered to be the most played song of all time. Do we have any guesses about what the most played song of all time might be? Uptown Funk. Pretty close. Pretty close. (laughs) It's a small world after all. They wrote that terribly annoying song that's been played. Featuring Mark Bronson, right? Featuring Featuring Mark Bronson. And Bruno Mars. (laughs) And Ludacris on the the bridge. Yeah. Um, Yeah, but uh, this was their first feature film score since 1971's Bed Knobs and Broomsticks. They were both uh, very, very old. One of them is still alive. He's 91. Uh, but yeah, they're still alive. But yeah, this was uh, this was kind of a big deal for them to come back for a movie. I think that the music in this movie um, all fits very nicely within the scope of the movie. Yeah. Um, and I none guess of we, it should, we should mention, we watched, this, we watched this movie. All three of us watched this movie. <laughs> Got to fill the time somehow. Yeah. Um, yeah Not just I, on the show, just in our lives. Yeah. yeah. It, um, I didn't have a problem with any of the music. Nothing stood out as annoying, but I also didn't really remember any of it after it was done. No, no. All right, so like a basic outline of the plot here is that uh, Tigger is trying to get everyone to bounce with him, but nobody wants to because they're doing other stuff. And so they're, he just, starts, they're not as good at bouncing as he is. No, no one can bounce like him except little Rue, you know, who's the only one who seems interested in it. Um, and so Tigger kind of gets it in his head that there must be someone else out there that he can bounce with. And uh, Owl kind of introduces the idea of a family tree, which Tigger thinks is a literal tree out in the middle of the woods that contains all of his family members. So he and Rue kind of go out to try and find this magical family tree. And that's kind of where it goes from there. I mean, this is a very, uh, it's a very small movie. It's 74 minutes. It's like 75 minutes or something like that with nine minutes of credits. It's an incredibly short movie. Uh, it's very cheap and it's very like, it's It it's was very, direct to video, right? No, no. This got a theatrical oh, release. Yeah. This wow. was actually a decent uh, box office hit for Disney because it was cheap and easy to produce I, and uh, has a low yield. So... Yeah, they they made a good amount of money off the Tigger movie. I still think like it looks good, like for maybe being cheap. Um, I don't like the sort of pastel style of the landscapes. I think look really nice. Oh, I think it's great. Yeah, it's it's very crisp looking. Uh, it's all hand drawn, which is just kind of nice to see. Like post two thousand, like almost no movies were hand drawn anymore. So it's it's kind of nice to see. Um, and weirdly, like. For all the big deal Disney made about The Princess and the Frog being, like, their last great, like, hand-drawn movie, they're still doing Winnie the Pooh movies that are, like, very highly acclaimed and all use this kind of traditional animation. So that's kind of cool. That's kind of a cool thing about Winnie the Pooh. I think that's, like, the last 
franchise that Disney has where they still do that. So I don't know. I think that's pretty cool. I mean, I think that Winnie the Pooh kind of occupies a space of being not sort of super general audiences. Like, I think it's definitely targeted about, like, you're going to bring your little kid there. It's this is very like, little kid. Yeah, very little kid. And as as such, this movie, uh, I could appreciate what it was doing, but it really didn't hold my interest. Uh, it was it was just a little too simple and cutesy, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, it's very but it's, predictable. But it's not, yeah, but yeah, it, it's like, for it, babies. For a kid or a baby, it does its job. And as a former kid or a baby, um, <laughs> I remember... I don't know, that the the Pooh movies were serviceable. I'm sure that's what baby Michaela was thinking. And then you just sort of outgrow them and you forget about them. And and then you don't really appreciate them anymore until you think about them for podcasts and such. I I really hope that that, like, I can imagine young Michaela just being like, oh, this baby genius. It's a little derivative, don't you think? Uh, Give me a peck and paw. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I liked, what I did like about this movie is it didn't feel like it was making all that much of an attempt to cater to the adult audiences they're not like i mean it's but at the same time it wasn't really condescending to anyone no no it it wasn't like oh we need to put in like this silly dance number at the end but at the same time we don't need to over explain everything well there Um, was one dance number that felt kind of out of place or one musical number that felt out of place and that's the oh yeah all around the family tree where it's very like manically animated like friend, friend like me sort of style but it didn't really much. fit that character no and like he's he's jumping around to all these like modern references like he's a supermodel he's jerry springer in one shot oh. which is very oh, weird I missed that. <laughs> oh yeah no he's very briefly like his whole family's on stage and like fighting and he's like dressed like jerry springer like mediating uh and I don't know. The, I think the appeal of Pooh is that they never actually really try and make him cooler or more accessible. You know, you don't see a Pooh rap album or anything like that. Like, they never really tried to do that. They're always like, all right, this is a quiet, gentle thing for babies, and we're just going to keep it as that. So this sequence felt very out of place to me. Yeah, um, I can see that. I mean, I did think that was one of the better songs it was. in the movie, but you're right. That animation was a little odd. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and I just, I didn't have much to think about it otherwise. I mean, this is more action-packed than most Pooh stories tend to be. You know, not even action-packed, but there are action sequences, both of them involving a boulder, um, <laughs> which seems like a bit of a lazy choice. But kind of the the sweet uh, wrap-up of the movie is that uh, uh, there are no other Tiggers, but all the other, all of his friends dress up like Tiggers to try and make him feel like he's more part of a family. And uh, that's kind of where it ends up. He realizes he had his family all along, and it's it's all about chosen family, which I can get behind as a meager adopted child. Um, and so, and yeah. for, for what it's worth, none of the other ones, aside from Kanga and Rue, actually have any of the other species there either. No. They're all apparently the only one of their kind. So Yeah, yeah. No one else is feeling all that bad about it, really. So just... Hey, Michaela, is this like a common thing that every time Tigger runs into Pooh, he introduces himself to him? Does he like forget? Oh yeah, T I double G G R. Yeah, is is a, a mainstay. Oh, okay, so he does that every time, and Pooh always says like, "I know." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I, one of the funnier things I found about this movie was that um, the the original trailer that came out in two thousand was scored to uh, "Semi Charmed Life" by Third Eye Blind. 
a very poppy, upbeat song about uh, meth addiction. Oh, no. Oh, um, by by the uh, band's own admission, that song is about snorting speed and getting blowjobs. Hmm. So, uh, which Disney didn't realize because it's a oh, very, no. like, top 40 sounding song. So they put it over this Tigger trailer. Oh, no. Which is, like, the softest G rating that they could possibly have. And, uh, yeah, eventually they had to pull it when some parents groups pointed that out. They're like, yeah, you, you may not have read the lyrics in this song. Uh, I just always thought that's funny because that people always kind of misunderstand what that song's about until you start singing along. A <laughs> uh, little bit more about Pooh and Tigger in video games because this is not the first Pooh video game. That one came out in uh, 1984 on the Commodore 64. It was called Winnie the Pooh and the Hundred Acre Wood. There have been uh, 19 Winnie the Pooh games in total since that 1984, which I think is I had a couple. Growing did you up. really? The educational ones, yeah. That's the thing. Most of them were like educational or interactive storybook or things like that. There weren't mm-hmm. that many games like we played today that were actual like game games, you know. <laughs> interactive uh, storybook. I could do a podcast on Disney interactive storybooks. Mm. <laughs> I would Just listen kiss. to that. I would listen to that, absolutely. Uh, The most recent release in the series was 2014's Winnie the Pooh and the Honey Tree Animated Storybook. Uh, But the characters have also had a dedicated world in each of the Kingdom Hearts games, which is usually always a boring minigame. At least that's the case in part three. Well, they're they're keeping the canon from uh, Tigger's Honey Hunt of boring minigames. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. All right, I have padded this out enough. Let's talk about this game. Tigger's Honey Hunt released November 1st, 2000, developed by Doki Denki Studios. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> Doki Denki. Denki. Doki Denki Studios and published by New Kid Co. And this <laughs> was also are, re- Those are insane company names. <laughs> insane company names. Uh, these were also released on PlayStation, Game Boy Color, and Windows. Uh, so a little bit about Doki Denki. Uh, of the six games that they produced in their short tenure, three of them were based on Winnie the Pooh games. Uh, One was based on the Smurfs, another was a port of the Peter Pan sequel Return to Neverland. The only original title in their docket is an isometric action RPG called Hexplore for the PC. Explore with an H in front of it. The company does not exist anymore. I couldn't find out much information why, but if I had to guess, it would be that they made bad games that did not sell well. Yes. Um, So... And New Kid Co., this is our third time talking about New Kid Co. They also created the timeless Elmo games that we played and the Ah. surprisingly Mm. solid Tom and Jerry Fists of Furry, uh, which is actually the game that this reminds me most of in a lot of ways, but um, we'll get to that. Uh, The company, as you uh, probably infer from their title, uh, they focus mostly on games for young children, often based on licensed properties. They ended on kind of a sour note. Their last game was a GBA adaptation of the Cat in the Hat movie from 2005. Uh, Maybe the game was better than the movie. It would have to be, right? I mean, I actually haven't seen the movie, but, like, I've seen The Grinch, and I can't do it. I can't bring myself to do it with an actor I like less. Um, So, a very basic plot of this game. Uh, Pooh decides to have a party for all of his friends, but wouldn't you know it, the son of a bitch is out of honey. So, he asks Tigger and his buddies to locate a bunch of pots of honey for him. That's about all you do. You're bouncing around each level looking for pots of honey. Uh, so this is a 2.5D platformer in a sense. Well, I mean, not really 2.5D. You move on a it 2D looks, plane. It looks but like it's the Tarzan game. Kind of. Like it looks very much in that same style of like, there's branches behind you that sort of path out different directions, but you can only run on a straight plane. Exactly. Yeah. You, you have a little bit of depth to the level, so you can almost call it 3D, but it is running on a 2D plane. 
Um, so yeah, you must go through each level collecting a set number of honey pots before clearing a level. So Owl will set a number that you need to get. You need to hit that goal and then talk to Owl at the end and he'll let you through. Did you ever get to Owl without having collected enough honey pots? Only once. And, and then, then I was I was short by one. Does he just uh, send you back? He just says you can't proceed until you get more? Yeah, yeah, that's okay. all. That's all. It's no it's no big penalty. It's just, oh, you don't have enough. Um, How many did you have? Like 79 and I needed 80. Oh. Like, I don't know. It was one of the later Whoa. levels. So, like, yeah, I just, I was only short by one. It didn't take long oh. to pick it up. So, the thing that I found <laughs> a little complicated about this game, yeah. not that this game was the most complicated in general. Well, but, now I'm not writing my thesis on it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I kind of expected, I guess this targets a slightly older audience than, like, the Elmo games. Um, but there were a lot of elements of this game that seemed decently complicated for the audience I assumed they were targeting. Like, the, first off, there's no voice acting in this game because there never is. So there's you, you need, like, a decent amount of reading to know that, oh, you have to collect this amount of honeypots and you get certain special moves later in the game. They're like, okay, press this button repeatedly to flap and hover. Um, but it seems like if you couldn't really read, that's not going to be very helpful to you. Especially because a lot of the words made up here are kind of spelled phonetically or they're using kind of the, the childish language that Winnie the Pooh uses. So, like, it's not all the proper spelling either. I had that same note because, like, the PlayStation version did have full voice acting, of course, and the entire cast of the, the TV show came back for the game. But... Yeah, I think that's really something that's missing here. I wasn't expecting there to be voice clips in this because, like you said, there never are in N64 games. That's always the first thing to cut. But uh, I think it would have helped a lot because this is definitely a game for babies. Uh, and I'm going to preface that right now. But I, I do think this would be a really excellent kind of baby's first platformer. Like, it's it's pretty rudimentary, but all of the basics of a good platforming game are there. Uh, and it even has like slightly more depth than I was expecting. Like the fact that you could unlock new moves later on in the game and then backtrack and look for hidden secrets everywhere. That's way more than I was expecting from this game. Yeah, I didn't, the sign, you know, so the goal is to get a certain amount of honeypots before you advance and not just get from one end to the other. So there are some sort of secret areas that might have extra sort of stashes of honey there. But the signs that they use are very confusing because sometimes the honey will sort of form an arrow the way they did it in Donkey Kong Country with bananas. Um, and that often sort of points, I don't know, it just, I often would follow these signs and it would just point me nowhere. And I'm like, is this a direction I was supposed to go? Or were they just telling me there was more honey pots back that way that I already got? Sometimes uh, I found that happened like, yeah, I, when I had already figured out where they were before I got to the hint, you know? So like I'd already collected them and then I backtracked trying to look for them. I'm like, all right, well, nothing's here. Yeah, so I had that same experience. Like sometimes it's just like those those arrows are nice that they're there, like so they can help you if you're very young and trying to find everything. Uh, but yeah, you you probably are going to figure it out on your own before you ever get to any of that. And I'm not saying like this game was too hard. I'm not saying I couldn't handle like the hard, <laughs> intense <laughs> battle of Tigger's Honey Hunt. Um, this is the new Ninja like, Gaiden. I had to I had to yeah I had to throw out Tigger Honey Hunt and put in something lighter like Dark Souls. Um, <laughs> But there were some platforming sections here that, like, required a decent amount of precision. Like, there's some leaves that sort of go back and move back and forth that you have to jump from one-to-one, -one, like an elevator. Or there's some jumps that are fairly hard to make. 
Um, and even though the controls are good and there's no like underground pits to fall in, usually when you fall, you just fall to the bottom level and you can backtrack, get back to where you need to go. I did think that it might be a little challenging for um, younger people. I don't know. I just felt like a lot of there wasn't too many elements of this game where I felt like, oh, if you could handle this, you couldn't handle Super Mario 64. Even though that is in a 3D space, so that might make it a lot trickier. But I don't know. I felt like there was still some... And especially for that kind of game, at least when you're on the early levels, there's not as many like treacherous holes to fall into, so you're not having to replay stuff. You can kind of just run around. This game doesn't really give you the freedom to just run around. I don't know. I, I thought it was fairly well paced like i think it is later in the game when things start to get a little harder which is what you want but i agree with your point that like i think this might be slightly too complicated i think the ideal play situation for this is like have a five-year-old playing this game with a slightly older sibling reading instructions or handling the hard parts i think that's that's the way you kind of want to play with like two siblings the the thing that really surprised me about tigger's honey hunt is that this game looks fantastic. Yeah, this game like, does look really, really good. I was really not expecting that. I thought it was going to be kind of a cheap throwaway, but uh, the character models are really big and colorful. Uh, I think they found the right trick. New Kid Code just seems to have a skill for that. Like They found the trick to translating 2D characters into a 3D space in a way that I think games like The Simpsons or, or South Park or things like that have struggled with. They found the trick uh, because these look really good in 3D character models. I think all the backgrounds look like nice and hand-drawn and there's really nice colorful environments and great music. Like they really went all out in the presentation on this little kid's game. Yeah, Tigger's animation looks really good. Oh yeah, and he's, he does these cute little idle animations when you uh, leave him alone where he starts like boxing and, and uh, huffing and bouncing on his tail and everything. It's real cute. And I was very surprised at how good this game looks overall uh you know yeah obviously it's a it's unfortunate that we don't have any voice clips but overall like i think this is almost one of the this might capture the source material better than almost any other adaptation on the system oh yeah i agree with that in terms of just sheer uh presentation and and vibe and everything like that i think it just really feels like a winnie the pooh episode which is great um I do think things went a little awry. Like, for the most part, I think the platforming works very well. Uh, like, it's it's a pretty responsive, fun game. Uh, I did have some trouble. You mentioned, like, the leaf platforms. I noticed that when you jump on a leaf platform, if you are not dead center, the leaf will move and leave you behind. Like, it'll move without you. And then I started running into some trouble in the blustery day level, you know, because... They're kind of trying to mess with some physics-based platforming a little bit where you have to catch these little gusts of wind to, like, fly up to different places. But sometimes it would send me in some kind of unpredictable directions or I would get stuck in a corner or something and I wouldn't be able to get my way out of there. You know, so there were definitely some uh, rough edges to some of the gameplay. But I will say, like, Tigger himself controls very well. Like, he moves fast but not too fast, and his jump is very high because it should be... But it also it doesn't feel floaty, and no. he's not he's not slidey or anything like it. it no, does, I don't know. That's a very common thing I find in these sort of animated mascot platformers is your character tends to be very slidey and just doesn't control quite right, or your jump is very floaty. And this game has none of those problems. No, no. I really liked 
uh, the ability to unlock new bounces, you know, so the uh, uh, we'll we'll talk a little bit about how you unlock them though because I think this is the biggest problem I have with the game. The way <laughs> that you unlock uh, your fancy new jumps and bounces and floats is by playing a couple of very very boring mini games. Quote unquote classic mini games. <laughs> classic mini games. There's three of them in total. Uh, these include Rabbit Says, which is a very simple Simon Says game. Rock, Paper, Owl, which you probably have an idea of what that is, and the unfortunately titled Poo Stick, which we talked about quite a bit. And that just involves throwing sticks down a river. Uh, No, these are not great. These are not great. Uh, The Rabbit Says one is just like very slow, like Rabbit's making faces and you have to press the corresponding C buttons to make the same faces. You have plenty of time to do this. There's no risk of like not being able to complete this in time. Uh, but you do have to watch the animations over and over. He does up to four moves, and you have to do that four times. Yeah, so each time he'll add, like, the first... You have to beat him four times. So the first time he'll do it one direction, and you press that C button. Then the next time he'll do one, and then that that same match that you just did before, (laughs) and then two, and so then you go one, two, and then you do that, and then you win that one, and the next one is one, and then two, and between each of these, there's, like a ready screen and it just it takes yeah, very think, very long i think even if i was a kid i would have hated this it's, it's like a less fun version of simon it's simple <laughs> simon yeah and that's the part that was weird one of the parts that was weird to me is like again this game is not exactly a high level of challenge but based on the difficulty of rabbit says which is can you can you press a button that matches a direction the target audience for that seemed to be about like fetuses yeah um, but i do appreciate that they take they took the effort to really make sure you could not misconstrue what direction these yellow buttons were facing in because like not only is the triangle very well outlined but there's also a line heading out from the tip of the triangle in the proper direction so it's like impossible to misunderstand it right and rabbit makes like a different sound for each direction and does a little different motion but it does get a bit grating after hearing the same sound over and over and over again. So there is, this game does have a delightful feature where you can go play those classic mini games with your friends. Oh, um, see, I didn't one, do this. Yeah, All right, tell once, me about uh, this. Once we're out of quarantine, um, setting up a poo party. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, everyone's going to get a card that says, come to Woody's Poo Fest. <laughs> um, and you can you can play Rabbit Says here with up to four players. Um, oh. The computer will fill in. You can play on either Easy Baby mode, which is literally what it's called. <laughs> easy Baby? Easy Baby. <laughs> easy or, uh, Baby, play some games. Yeah. Or Hard, and those are the two options. Or Hard. Um, which is there was, a Hard Baby? <laughs> thankfully there's not um, there was yeah so we played all these games multiplayer and man does rabbit says get boring because the computer gets eliminated very quickly and then you and just one person have to see sort of your level of tolerance for memorizing six button presses because they're the same every time and then they just add one new one but she still has to go through all the motions so we probably played this for what felt like five hours but i'm sure was 12 minutes but this is what very long this is what minutes. they should have fed into the machine at the end of war games instead of tic-tac-toe if you wanted to make it like lock up and learn the meaning of futility <laughs> just put it in like rabbit says it's like I just, oh there is no the only winning move is not to play i just want to know how long it would have kept going if we hadn't had dipped out because it seemed to go on you mean if you hadn't lost okay, focus yeah whatever <laughs> we don't need to dig into the details 
I'm, I'm amazed either of you had any focus for that at all. I tried playing by myself. I just couldn't do it at all. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, that, that extra level of competition. There was... Uh, my friend Jeremy was going to have a weird video game tournament, and I was digging through the collection to figure out what I should bring, and this would be an excellent trolling pick. Oh, because yeah. Because it becomes a question of not how good are you at the game, but how long can you maintain interest in an incredibly grating and boring thing? Yeah, it's a, it's more of an endurance trial. It's how how bad do you <laughs> really then, want this? Oh yeah, so this was so Michaela and I played this for about 12 minutes. It was horrendously boring. And then I I finally won and I got one trophy. And you, you have to win <laughs> four times. Five, four times. Oh they don't my give God. you a setting to change how many times you need to win. So <laughs> it, would, it would take like an hour of just this to it, to win. Uh, yeah, it, it was pretty silly, but not, yeah. Maybe if you got all four trophies, you unlock like a cool Easter egg of the Winnie the Pooh <laughs> underworld. <laughs> the <This> underworld? Is... <laughs> This was uh, the the thing. This was the actual entertainment in Infinite Jest. Was uh, yeah. was Travis <laughs> says if people couldn't wipe themselves away from pressing those C buttons. Oh, we buddy. solved it. But which one of these mini games was in Marcellus Wallace's briefcase? I vote for <laughs> Rock Paper Owl. Uh, uh, although I don't. I okay, it was called Rock Paper Stance. That's what rock, I read. Rock Paper Stance. Oh, I read it. I, I don't know. I thought wow. it was Rock Paper Owl. But like, I. Uh, I don't know if your experience with this game was the same for me. Uh, Owl only threw rocks. Mm. Like, that's all he did. I, I quickly realized that, like, and I just kept pressing paper. He's got the, the Bart Simpson philosophy, you know? Yeah, nothing beats rock. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it, this is a very weird game, and it kind of reminds you why rock, paper, scissors is not, like, really a uh, video game <laughs> concept. <laughs> because it's all just kind of luck, except it's not here. You can see exactly what Owl's about to throw. Well, when you, you, play, when you play the two-player mode here... You can see that as well because it'll highlight what the other person's going to pick. Um, <laughs> so it's sort of a matter of changing what you're going to pick at the last second. Right, right. Yeah, so that was kind of all it was. Um, I mean, sure, let's call this the best of the three. Why not? I mean, Another very weird weird pick to bring to a video game tournament. I, I'm kind of a fan of these very simple uh, games competitive games where you're like what the hell is this why does this I, exist yeah I, yeah. Liked, I liked poo stick i think that was the real mvp all right okay. tell us a little bit about poo stick since uh michaela is the mvp of poo stick <laughs> formerly uh i don't know we just played it we dropped some sticks down and they landed where they may and i won every time so i don't see what's the matter with that it kind of seems like the whole point of the game is just to throw the stick closest to the bottom of the screen, right? Right, like, but then and, it gets and caught. fastest. Yeah. yeah, but then it gets caught in the little, you know, fast streamies, and sometimes I, yeah. you can catch up and win. But, like, that never happened. Like, as long as, <laughs> like, I, I would throw a stick near the very bottom of the screen, and Pooh would throw his into, like, a current or something, and I would still win. Like, all you need to do is just be lower. You yeah. figured out the system. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what happened. Is Michaela was beating me every time. I was trying to find a spot to, like, oh, this that looks like a good stream to drop it into. And then, yeah, I, I realized the same thing you did, that the secret is just to go to the bottom of the screen ASAP and drop it right away. And then I, I quickly took the throne. I got, I, mean, I got that poo stick championship belt that everyone's pining for. Y'all, y'all. I mean, we all grew up kind of around uh, uh, country environments, yeah, you know, I mean, or somewhat a, rural environments. Big, big 
freaking community. I mean, around. the big. I mean, Simon Says is a game. Rock Paper Scissors is a game. Is Poo Stick a game? Like, is watching uh, <laughs> sticks float down a river like a game? I mean, I lived well, in the woods and I never got that they bored. They decided to cut Bloody Knuckles from this. They realized oh, that was not really the Poo <laughs> brand, and so they had to make something else up. But I, I really they had do another like- one. They reformatted it for Red Dead Redemption, where you're stabbing between your fingers. Yeah. They, I, I really do have a memory of this existing somewhere in the Pooh universe of him the playing Pooh-iverse. this game <laughs> and mm-hmm. sort of dropping dropping the stick and seeing what would sort of get to the end of the river faster. I know I've seen that in a piece I mean, of media there's, somewhere. There's a, a vignette in the mini adventures of Winnie the Pooh where the Hundred Acre Wood gets flooded and everyone like clings to dear life. No, it's definitely not that. Okay, well, <laughs> it's a good one. It's a good one. I mean, you know, the, these mini games, they really don't need to be there, but they kind of pad out the length. So, like, we had six levels before, now we have nine, you know, but these are very brief, and really they're only good for getting your two extra bonus moves, one of which is, like, a little flap, like you flap your arms so you can go a little farther, and the other is a superpower. What did he call in the movie? Like a whoopsie-doopsie, like, super jump? Hooper looper yeah, something like Jump, that yeah. where you you press and hold the Z button until you charge up your uh, your tail spring and then you can jump super high. I liked that move a lot because you got to move Tigger like a mortar. Like you can you can angle him like either left or right or centered and kind of determine where his arc is going to go. Mm-hmm. And that definitely which, matches the way it was described in the movie. Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. Like, like like I said, like this feels like it is a tie-in to the movie, but it came out like nine months after the movie came out, so it's just kind of a weird choice to not tie it in with the movie. Did I, did you get the impression that they wanted you to then backtrack once you had that jump to go and like collect all the honeypots on earlier levels? They did, and I did. I was going to say, this is the first time... Uh, th- this joins the special club of games I have beaten... Uh, during a single playthrough for uh, this show. Okay. But this, this also has the distinction of being the first game I 100%ed for this Whoa. show. Whoa. I went back. I got every honeypot. I Upload saved every... Your uh, speed run. Oh, man. It's too fast. Like, the human <laughs> eye can't even capture it. Um, but, yeah, no. I collected everything. It didn't take long. Uh <laughs> You know, each level also has one of your friends, and they're all missing one item that's hidden in the level, so you have to find it and bring it back to them. And when you do that, it unlocks a time trial mode uh, where you can try and race through the level as quick as possible, but I didn't care about that. Mm. But yeah, uh, this is a very easy game to just kind of blaze all the way through in a very short period of time. I think 100%ing it took maybe in a little over an hour we got um, we got too bogged down in our game and any game of rabbit says to get there I'm well you know what? i appreciate you guys uh doing that because i did not get too terribly bogged down I'm in those kind of disappointed that it is so incredibly short because i did feel like the pacing sort of ramped naturally and there was they did a good job of integrating like new elements every level they're like oh this level you have little wind tunnels you need to swim around in and this level there's leaves going back and forth so it does seem like it had a lot of potential to sort of ratchet up that difficulty or just get more variety in the level design to so to hear that it ends that soon is is disappointing yeah yeah do you guys want to know the big secret at the end it's very shocking. Christopher okay. Robbins says, you don't need to eat all this honey. You know, you give all the honey back to Pooh, son of a bitch eats it. He just mm-hmm. eats all the honey you've been collecting the whole game. So now yeah. nobody else has any food until Christopher Robbins shows up and bakes you a cake. I the mean, end. Pooh in canon has a horrendous honey addiction. <laughs> oh, he's like, a glutton. He, yeah. Yeah. He just sort of 
gets rid of all social mores anytime <laughs> Honey is around and will just sort of take advantage of his friends and be thoughtless just to eat more and more honey. And he seems to have an infinite capacity for it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's a hungry bear. <laughs> yeah. I think but I it's saw not like, like um, I'm saying like when the honey isn't around, he's not like, well, I guess he is always kind of hungry, but then he can go a long time without eating it as well. <laughs> I, I like know. to think when the cameras aren't on him, he's just like mauling Leonardo DiCaprio. You know, he's just like he's, he takes on the form of a real bear. Yeah, you know, um, I guess I don't know. I don't have too much more to say about it. There were a couple of sort of sequels to this. Uh, the Game Boy Color got a game called Pooh and Tigger's Honey Safari, which is pretty much this exact same game, except you can also play as Pooh. Uh, and then in 2003, there was a PS2 game called Pooh's Bi- or a Piglet's Big Game, uh, which. Uh, no, there was a Piglet movie. Like, there was a Tigger movie, then there was a Piglet movie, and then there was a Heffalump movie. So this one corresponded with the Piglet movie. And it's kind of just like the same game here. Uh, you just It's a side-scroller from New Kid Co. and Doki Denki, and you uh, look for honeypots and stuff. Basically the same game again. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of all you get for poo platformers. Uh, this is sort of a weird, unique uh, thing. It's mostly going to be storybooks if you're playing a poo game, but this is one of the few platformers. I mean, I think that a storybook is what what you need like no no game is better adapt no piece of media is better adapted into a storybook game than poo because like the storybook is already part of the movies yeah yeah exactly uh do you guys want to move on to our final rankings here yeah oh we just, we right. just looked at each other and nodded as if somehow you would be aware of that <laughs> i appreciate the uh, the ascent right there uh, so, yes, we are ranking the games as we play them. Currently, we have 227 games on our list. Um, I'm going to lead with this one because I really liked this game. Uh, I, I found I was surprised. Like, I think this game does a lot really well. It doesn't do any like everything perfect, and I would have cut those mini games completely. But Yeah, I think if those mini games were cut at least in the main game, and you had maybe three or four more platforming levels, that would go a long way. It really would. I mean, but the game looks great. It sounds great. It's got a lot of charm and personality. It captures the spirit of Winnie the Pooh, and it's a pretty fun, if very rudimentary, platforming game. To that degree, I am putting this at number 58. That's going to wow. be right right underneath wow. Donkey Kong 64, you know, <laughs> because I want to represent for the people who are buying games for their little kids... I think this is a fantastic game for little kids if you have an N64 what, you're laying around. Little kids might not be into the massive collecting world of Donkey Kong 64. No, no, you already have the red blueprint, Jimmy. You need to go find all 16 of the blue blueprints now. And now go f- finish uh, this video game that was made several years before you were born yeah. three times. And then this other one three times. And then boot up Jet Force Gemini. Collect, yeah, all, them, exactly. collect all them tribals. <laughs> Yeah, so that's where I'm going with it. 58, uh, great little kids game. Uh, and I think I'm I'm single-handedly raising the profile of New Kid Co. by giving good ratings to that and Tom and Jerry on my list. So Yeah, who would have thought? Uh, uh, yeah, so let's go over to you guys. Who, who wants to go first? Um, I'll go first. Um, I also like this game. I thought it was pretty good. Um, the graphics, again, are out, outstanding. Um, and it, it plays well and is generally pretty pleasant to play. Um, I'm putting it at number 117. I think it's worse than the Donald Duck game because that has sort of more of a variety of features and I think has a lot of the same strengths as this game. Um, 
but I also think this is better than the Tarzan game because that game was frustrating and kind of it had too much going on graphically. I did think that is kind of an issue with this game, though, as well, is sometimes the background stuff is somewhat difficult to tell whether you can interact with it or not. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, that, that is a little difficult sometimes. Yeah, oh, so I don't know. If I, I'm putting it at number 117, which is right behind Load Runner 3D. Okay, perfect. And Michaela, your list currently uh, is... I have it right here. Vamp, 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 vamp. All right, currently... Well, she, she could just tell well, you. Uh, no, no, I want to hear it. Oh, okay. Uh, I need currently, the top of your list is <laughs> Harvest Moon 64, and the bottom mm-hmm. of your list is Blues Brothers 2000. Uh, where would it go on that scale? Um, how many entries are on that list? So your your list, your whole list right now is Harvest Moon, Mario mm-hmm. Kart 64, Tarzan, A Bug's Life, Toy Story 2, Blues Brothers 2000. Okay, uh, I think I'm going to put this at number five, if I'm seeing that correctly. So that would be um, above Toy Story 2 and below A Bug's Life. Um, I think this game is better than it has any business to be. It's really clean, um, and it has, you know, some likable animation, and I can see myself as a kid getting through it. Um, whereas, if, if I remember correctly, Toy Story 2 was kind of busy and frustrating, Mo- too. Yeah, much more going on in that game, but making that more difficult, mm-hmm. Toy Story. Yeah, so I can see myself... Um, playing this when I was a little kid. Also, I just kind of have a fondness for the poo property. Um, so I'm glad that it got me to revisit um, the Tigger movie, and I'm excited to finish the mini adventures of Winnie the Pooh. I think it's very sweet. Um, yeah, I think that Pooh gets forgotten, especially in this Paddington age, um, mm-hmm. as, a, as a delightful bear. So I'm glad that he's, he's you know, still getting the quality licensed games that he deserves. But well, I do love that we are in the Paddington ago. age. <laughs> like that's uh, I love that it's like the the golden age we're no we're in the Paddington age. <laughs> well, thank you guys for playing some Tigger's Honey Hunt with me. Uh, who knew? Who knew that this game would be such a little delight for all of us? Uh, I really enjoyed it. So check it out if you have little kids or you know uh, if you like bouncing. Um, yeah, if you just want to play like a platformer that asks very little of you and yeah. sort of floats along very nicely. Yeah, and, and who doesn't uh, want to be asked very little of in this day and age? Exactly, and I recommend listening to a podcast while you're playing the game, especially after a while, because I got pretty tired of that bouncing noise, uh, because he makes it every time you move. Uh, but, you know, if you like that sound, this is the game for you. Well, thank you guys. We don't have any letters this week, but remember you can send those to us at ultra64podcast at gmail.com, or you can send it on ultra64podcast.com, which is our website, which is also where we have these rankings that I update every week. Check us out on all of our social media. Check us out on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash ultra64pod. Yeah, there's a, there's a ton of stuff that's gone up on Patreon over the last couple weeks. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. We've had the time. So if you want to get some extra content on things both N64 and not N64, yeah. then if you, that's uh, the place. If you start now when you're listening to this episode, then we just released an episode on Luigi's Mansion, which was a lot of fun to talk about. And uh, maybe another one. We'll see. We haven't decided on that one. But uh, yeah, so next week, be sure to come back and play Winback Covert Ops. This is a third-person shooter game I know very, very little about, but we're going to check it out. Um, And I think it's going to be a shooting good time. But anyway, uh, thank you everybody for being here and uh, TTFN, I suppose. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Damn ta, it. Ta-ta for now, Steve. TTFE. 
Oh no, Michaela, come back! Nah, I didn't like it.